Thanks for joining us for the special Mid-East Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. Our current culture is full of loud, booming, opinionated voices. They're persuading you to follow a path that leads to destruction and away from God. Sometimes it's difficult to stay calm and hear God's still, small voice. Today, J.D. implores you to listen intently. Don't let this world drown him out. Open your ears and your heart. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on November 8th, 2020. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me. I have to say, parenthetically, that would have freaked me out right there. (laughs) Having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth with it, and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Plural. Then I said, Here am I. Send me. And he said, Go. And tell this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, and their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return and be healed. Then I said, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities are laid waste, and without inhabitant. The houses are without a man, The land is utterly desolate. And that's exactly what happened. 
If you'll kindly allow me to, I would like to draw your attention to what I would argue is the answer to the aforementioned, now what, question. First and foremost, if we're ever to have any hope of knowing the supernatural peace of God, our eyes must be fixed upon Jesus. And when we do, like Isaiah, we'll see the Lord seated on the throne, not pacing back and forth, biting his nails in front of the throne. He's seated on the throne, high and lifted up. That settles me. That calms me. Oh my goodness, this last week. Lord, did you see what happened? Could you imagine the Lord's response? No, what happened? (laughs) Voter fraud. They're trying to steal the election. When did this happen? Tuesday, where were you? I don't know. Gabriel, Michael, get over here. (laughs) What are we going to do? Oh my goodness. Come on. The Holy Spirit can take it from there. Okay, Pastor. So let me see if I got this straight. You're comparing Isaiah's crisis to what happened this last week? Yeah. Well, that's not a very good comparison. Well, I would beg to differ. I believe they are in fact eerily similar. And here's why. King Uzziah, as one of only eight good kings in the history of the nation of Israel, reigned for an astonishing 52 years. Think back to the history of this nation, the last 52 years. And here's the thing. King Uzziah's reign was marked by a time of peace, prosperity, and stability, which is why Isaiah and the whole nation were so shaken by his death. What are we going to do now? Oh my goodness. Under King Uzziah, the stock market was at record highs. Unemployment, record lows. What are we going to do? Hmm. But God. But God allowed something as earth-shaking as the death of King Uzziah to get Isaiah to lift up his eyes to the throne. The reason I mention this is because oftentimes it may take the death of our King Uzziah, I'll let you fill in the blank, 
to get our eyes off of man and onto Jesus. You know what's interesting? In the Gospel of John, the 12th chapter, Jesus fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy as the one who Isaiah saw seated on the throne. Listen to this. John 12, beginning in verse 37. Even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Lord, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason they could not believe, because as Isaiah says elsewhere, chapter 6, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, so they can neither see with their eyes, nor understand with their hearts, nor turn, and I would heal them. Wait, stop, wait, what? That's not fair. You mean God blinded their eyes so they could not see? Yeah. He hardened their hearts so they could not receive? Yeah. Well, that's cruel. Actually, it's not. It's the opposite that's true. It's the grace of God. And I'll explain. God knew that they would not receive with their hearts. Their hearts were already hardened, their mind already made up. The Lord knew that they would not hear with their ears. The Lord knew that they would not see with their eyes. He's protecting them. Because if they were to see, hear, and receive, and then still reject, then their judgment, as Luke's gospel records it, some will be beaten with more stripes than others in hell. He's actually in His grace protecting them from this judgment that would come on them, because He foreknows who's going to reject Him. This is why it is, by the way, that Jesus spoke in parables. They didn't get it. And He did that to protect them. That was the grace of God, the love of God. Verse 41, Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus. He saw Jesus' glory and spoke about Him. Well, this got my attention. Verse 41, because Isaiah is saying that who he saw seated on the throne was Jesus Himself. And then he says that he spoke about Him. Hang on to that. Seeing the glory of Jesus seated on the throne will absolutely change everything in our lives, because of the impact it has on our lives. 
and it's evidenced by the impact that it had on, on Isaiah. And first, it was that it humbled him, then it sanctified him, then it empowered him to speak about the Lord. Here's where I'm going with this. This is exactly what the Lord desires for us. He wants this to have that impact on us, on our lives. If we would but turn our eyes upon Jesus. Now, I think I would be grossly remiss were I not to apprise you of what to expect. This is the fine print, if you will. If and when we turn to Jesus and look upon Jesus, first there will be this profound, even overwhelming revelation of our own sinfulness when we're in the presence of God's holiness. That's what happened to Peter in Luke 5.8, when he realized it was Jesus, and he fell on his face saying, Depart from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. The Apostle John, in Revelation 1.17, on the island of Patmos, where he received the revelation, he fell down, we're told, as though he were dead in the presence of the holiness of God. Holy, 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 depart from me. For Isaiah, in chapter 6, verse 5, he says, woe is me. And it's interesting that he would say, for I am undone. And then he says, why? It's because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I wonder, the foul and vile posts on social media, out of the abundance of a man's heart, the mouth speaks and it's unclean. That's why in verse 6, the seraphim takes a live coal from the altar and touches Isaiah's mouth, and he takes away his iniquity and purges his sin. Now here's the question. Why did Isaiah need his lips touched and sanctified? I think the answer is twofold. First, I do believe that, ah, help me to say this the right way, Lord. We have big mouths and we have foul mouths. Lord, forgive us. Take the coal. Cleanse my mouth. The second reason, I believe, is found in verse 8. 
Isaiah, and this is interesting, don't miss this. He looks to the Lord, and he sees the Lord seated on the throne. And when he sees the Lord, he hears the voice of the Lord. Oh, how many voices have been clamoring for our attention. The voice of the Lord is drowned out. Sometimes the Lord will speak in that still, small voice. And He won't compete with the world and the voices in the world to get our attention. The volume has to be turned down, really turned off, so that in the quietness you can hear the voice of the Lord. You might be interested to know what He has to say to you. Well, what did the Lord say to Isaiah? He said, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Then in verses 9 through 13, God says, Okay. And He sends him, but He warns him. Why? Because what he's going to speak with his now cleansed lips, his now sanctified mouth, it's not going to be popular. Neither will it lead to repentance or revival. Instead, it will be met with dull hearts, heavy ears, and shut eyes. Then, when Isaiah asked the Lord, how long? That's a question I've been asking the Lord lately. <laughs> how long, Lord? The Lord answers Isaiah, and He says, until the cities are laid waste, and the land is utterly desolate. Dare I say, that desolation is coming, and God is looking for Isaiah's, who will say, Here am I, send me. And when he finds an Isaiah, who will say, Lord, here am I, send me, then God will sanctify our lips, and He will put His words in our mouth to tell people about Jesus. I have to confess, again I would be disingenuous at best, dishonest at worst, if I didn't confess that I, I found myself doing what I've done all of my life. After the election results, I remember when Obama was elected president, I was devastated. I went into a funk that lasted for two plus weeks. I was, I was kind of like, what just happened? Well, this time it wasn't as bad, but it was still a little bit bad. But what was different this time was, the Lord settled my heart, 
and redirected the focus of my attention so that my eyes were on Him. I think about what Isaiah wrote, I think it's chapter 26. He will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on Thee. I sense that the Lord today would have me to very simply say that we would do well to get our eyes off of Trump, get our eyes off of this election, get our eyes off of this world, and refocus our eyes upon Jesus. The reason is this. <laughs> the eyes of the Lord are searching out throughout the earth to and fro, looking for Isaiah's, whose eyes are on him, hearts fully devoted to him, so that he can sanctify them, put his words on their mouths so that they can proclaim while there's still time, Jesus, Jesus. I never want to say anything that the Lord would not want me to say, and I don't want to not say what the Lord would have me to say, and I think the Lord would have me to say this. I am so thankful that the media declared Joe Biden the winner of the presidential election. Because now maybe now, now maybe, maybe, I, I sure hope so, I pray so, Maybe that's what it's going to take. Maybe now that's what it's going to take. What are you saying? Well, I, I just said it. I'll say the same thing again in a, in a different way. God's allowing it, so we'll look to Him. And not only look to Him, but when we look to Him, we have to tell others about Him. While there's still time. You know... I'm at a loss for words. That's a miracle right there. When I don't know what to say, I just, Lord, help me here. Maybe now Christians will stop what they've been doing and start doing what they need to be doing. Do you agree with this statement? We are living at a time like no other, and have before us the greatest and grandest of opportunities to bring people to Jesus. And this is why God's allowing everything to happen. But see, again, the problem is we're unwilling to pick up our cross and die to ourselves and follow Him. And the reason is because we love our lives in this world too much. We're unwilling to let go of them. The Bible, though written long ago, is inspired by our Creator. God chose to speak His truth through ordinary men, but these men had their eyes fixed on their Heavenly Father. 
Their words hold a great deal of meaning for us in our world today, and maybe more so in the times we're in. Much of the activity of this world is mirrored in the pages of the Bible and is pointing to a new era that we need to be aware of. In Pastor J.D.'s weekly Mideast Prophecy Updates, he's been searching the scriptures and the news headlines and sharing with us what he's found. You can access these updates by heading to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and clicking on the YouTube link. Jesus will be returning to the earth soon to judge the evil that has been destroying it. And that return, friends, is drawing closer with each new day. Pastor J.D. tells us through these updates each week where we are in relation to Bible prophecy and how close our Savior's return just might be. No one knows the day or the hour this incredible event will take place, but we know from the Bible that we've been told what to expect in the moments leading up to this event. If we adopt a sense of anticipation in our daily walk with Jesus, we'll also gain with it an urgency to share the gospel message with the world around us. We're called to unashamedly boast about our Savior and plant the seed of hope which Jesus promises to water. Share Jesus with someone today and join us for another edition of the Mideast Prophecy Update right here on In Spirit and Truth.